Well, we're going to change things up a little bit today. Bear with me. It'll be okay. Change is good, right? We all handle change well. No, not always. Um, <laughs> it happens. Um, last week, Laura spoke uh, some very powerful, God-filled words, and, and I just, again, I want to say how much I'm appreciative of her, the willingness to, to say something and, and to, to speak, because uh, we remember last week we were talking about the Holy Spirit interrupting, and, and the Holy Spirit wanted to interrupt, and, and God was trying to move us and, and to talk and, and work through us, and and so I wanted to take a moment, and I wanted to uh, have some real talk, if we can label it like that. I wanted to talk about some stuff. Um, and so to begin with, I, I wanted to read something here. It's from a book by Reverend Tara Beth Leach. She is a pastor of our denomination, uh, a, a great speaker. She was at family camp a couple years ago, uh, a great pastor, a, a friend. Uh, she wrote a book called Radiant Church. Phenomenal book. In it, she says, The Christian life is not a solo journey. Instead, it is a journey of covenant togetherness. This may be rather bold, but maybe an individual Christian is a misnomer. John C. Nugent observes, There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Throughout the story of God, we don't see a vision for private pietism, but holy people. Sure, it's messy and flawed, but that is the beauty of covenant togetherness. The church is filled with broken sinners who often struggle to get along, agree, and see eye to eye. And yet the same church is invited to be the light in a dark, broken, and weary world. The task of proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick, setting captives free, making wrongs right, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, adopting orphans, and holding the widow have been given to the church, not loosely connected individuals. When I read that, it, it all clicked because I had read that uh, the Monday following, so last Monday, and, and everything just kind of clicked and God began to uh, speak and work in my heart. And the, the thing that was challenging for me is, is I know Dr. John Nugent. He was my professor in college. And I know what he said about the Lone Ranger Christianity. He went on many rants about that idea and how it's not fitting biblically with what we are called to do. And so it's, I'm, I'm rather ashamed of myself to now be in this place where I look at it and I think, I've gotten there. This past year, obviously, things were different, right? For, for many months, we were shut down, and it was up to myself to basically produce an entire service without the help of anyone because we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how contagious this virus was. We didn't know how deadly it was. We didn't know if people should be together or not. And so it was, it was just me. And the problem that many pastors are facing is that now we have to get out of this mentality of it just being ourselves who are producing it, because it is a togetherness of all of us in worship. But when we have a year like last year, it becomes more and more of a challenge. It's not an excuse. It's just what it is. And so 
that has been working on me greatly. And, and what has compounded this is the fact that we have had our brokenness revealed in many ways over the past year. There has been problems. There has been controversies. There has been things that people have not seen eye to eye on. And this has led to a lot of things happening that I wish we could change. But this is where we're at. Now, this is complex. Because one, I love these brothers and sisters in the faith. And I have yet to figure out a way to speak about, I don't know if I ever will, find a way to speak about what has happened over the past year, the, the things that were done and said by all parties involved in a way that does not paint people in a negative light. I don't know of a way that I can talk about things that were said or actions that were taken without making people appear bad. And as brothers and sisters whom I love, I don't want to defame them. I don't want to talk about them in a poor light because I love them. And I don't want anyone else to think of them as less than who they are. So I don't know how to talk about it. And that, that led to me struggling with how to speak about some of this stuff. And, and those of us on the board, we, we struggled on how to bring it up to the rest of the church. Because how do we bring up these issues that would make other people say, wow, that, that's horrible. Or this is bad. Or, and we didn't want to do that. And even more so because it was so painful, we wanted to try to protect everyone else from that pain. I didn't want people to experience the same kind of pain that I was experiencing. And so, we made a decision to try to deal with it without addressing it to the rest of the church. For better or for worse, that's what we had worked with. But then this came up, what Laura had said came up, and you know what? I, I'm sorry. We were wrong. I, I, don't, I still don't know how we would have done it otherwise to, to respect and honor our brothers and sisters. But we should have tried. We still love them. We still want people to to experience what all of this is, and all of this, I mean the togetherness of the church life, living together, working together. But it is messy. It is broken. And this is the thing that I want us to focus on, because we, we have to heal from this. But what I don't want us to do is to think that healing means everything becomes perfect perfect. We won't be perfect. Christ makes us perfect, but that's a long process of working in our lives. And if we are doing what we are supposed to do as a church, which is to make disciples of all the nations... We will never, as a church, be perfect because we will always be bringing more people in who come with baggage and brokenness and don't know what it means to live like Christ. And so we'll always have these struggles. We will always have these things that we don't see eye to eye on. 
The, the, the fact that makes the church so unique, though, is that we are able to deal with these problems differently than the world, or at least we should, and we have to learn how to, and we have to relearn how to, and we have to continue to learn how to. That's what makes the church so unique and, and such a blessing because we don't address problems or conflict the way that the world does. We address it in love and mercy and compassion. And so that's what we have to learn. And I want us to be a church that recognizes and realizes that we are broken people. We all come with baggage. How many of us have our lives all put together? <laughs> I see that. You, you think you have it put together. <laughs> you're, you're just so busy, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's, but that, but that's, that's the point, is that we just don't, we don't have our own lives put together in such a way where we're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm perfect, I got it all going. And so when we get more and more people together, it becomes even more conflated, even more exaggerated. I don't want us to fear that. I don't want us to be a church that paints a picture that we've got it all going on, we've got it all perfect, because the world doesn't care if we got it all put together or if we are perfect. What they care about is whether or not we love and care and show compassion and mercy. That's what speaks to people's hearts. And so I want us to be a church that embraces the fact that we are broken people with baggage, that we won't see eye to eye all the time, but we are going to work towards unity in Christ. And that we are always going to extend love and mercy and forgiveness rather than words of, of hatred or, or disgruntledness. And so that's, that's where we're at. And we're learning. Now, I, I'm sorry, there, there was never a college class in how to lead a church through a pandemic. There was never a college class to talk about how to maneuver this kind of crisis that we've been in. And so I, I'm learning along with all of you. And this has been a lot to learn from. And so I, I'm sorry that we've made fumbles along the way. But we're, we're trying to continue to make it better. We're trying to move forward, not because we want to forget, but because we know that in order to, to do the mission, we need to embrace what has happened and allow God to work through us to change us in that. Part of the process will be mourning. We need to mourn. We need to feel sad. We need to feel sad that, that the church, both locally and globally, is broken. The fact that we still have Christians who believe that if you're of a certain denomination, you are not a Christian. We need to mourn that fact. Because that's not how Christ wants us to be. We're going to find that out today. But then we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray that God continues to work in us and through us to change us, to make us more like him. And that's what we do, and that's how we move forward. And that is what I want us to be able to do today. Embrace the fact that we are broken. We have baggage. 
but the way we handle it, the way we move forward in spite of that is what makes us unique as Christians. And this is, this is, this is truly the amazing thing about God because all of this happens, and then we come to this Sunday where we have John 17, 9, or 6 through 19. Listen to these words. Listen to this prayer, because this is, this is part of Jesus' prayer for the disciples, not just the, the apostles, but for all disciples of Christ, all of us. This is, is Jesus' prayer that, that he ends his ministry with. I've made, known, I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm, ask, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name, that you have given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not, not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is the truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. This prayer of Jesus is astonishing. It is unlike any other prayer we have in the Bible. It is one that we could spend hours looking at the different things that Jesus is requesting here of the Father. Talking about sanctifying us and protecting us and being in the world but not of the world and, and all these different nuances that, that we could look at. But there's two things that I want us to focus in on today. The first of which is, it's kind of obvious. In fact, it, it's so obvious that we miss it. What does it mean for us that Jesus prayed for us? What does it mean for us that Jesus prayed 
Think about it. We, we pray to God. We pray in the name of Jesus. We do a lot of this, and it feels almost as if it's one-sided. We pray to God for, for Jesus to do something, for, for the Holy Spirit to work, for, for something to happen. But here, the roles reverse, and Jesus is praying to God for us. God of creation in flesh is praying on our behalf. Jesus praying for us shows a love that goes beyond just the death on the cross. You see, when, when Jesus is praying for us, he is, he is doing something that is so marvelous. And I want us as a church to move beyond just thinking about Jesus' death on the cross, to move beyond just his resurrection. This past Thursday, do you know what this past Thursday was? Huge, huge day in the church. Ascension. It was the day that we celebrate Christ rising up to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Do you know the one thing that no human being has ever done? Risen up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Every human has died. <laughs> Some have been brought back to life temporarily. No one has risen to the right hand of the Father to be glorified and to sit on the throne and wait for judgment to come. And it's the same Jesus who prays for us. His prayer is one of protection. He is crying out to God saying, I can't be with them any longer, so I can't protect them right here. So God, intervene and protect them while I am gone. Keep them safe because I love them and I care for them and I want to keep them safe because I'm leaving them in a world that is hostile. I'm leaving them in a world that is full of baggage and brokenness to the point where people would rather kill, hurt, and destroy than they would to mend and love and forgive. Jesus' prayer is a cry of desperation, of love, like a mother loves a child. And in it, Jesus says, help them, Father, to be one as we are one. To be one. Now, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, this, this is the mystery of the Trinity, right? They are three in one and one in three. They are all unique, but all the same. It is this thing that, as a church, we struggle to completely defined because nothing can quite grasp the reality of having one God that we worship, but in three persons. But they are one, all with their unique characteristics, but they are one. And here, Jesus is praying to God to help protect us so that we, his disciples, can be one. Not so we can all be the same, 
thank goodness. I don't want you all to be like me. I know, I know I'm way too messed up to have anyone be like me. I pray for my children all the time not to grow up and be like me. Um, <laughs> but, but so that we can uniquely be who we are in Christ, but united together with the sole purpose. That is what it means to be one, to be working towards a singular goal, to have one mindset, which is to serve Christ. How do we serve Christ? By making disciples of all the nations. And so we become one as a broken people, as people with baggage, people who are messed up, people who are trying to figure out our own lives, people who have good days and bad days, people who are still working to be sanctified. And, and we become one, not by our own strength, not by what we can do, not by how we can figure it out, not by any classes or books or seminars that we can take, but by focusing on Christ. And we focus on Christ because he's fighting for us. That's what this prayer is. This is Christ fighting for us. Saying, I'm not surrendering. I'm not giving up on them. And it's only because Christ hasn't given up on us that we can become one. Because when we keep our eyes set on him, he will enable us to work through the brokenness, through the baggage, through the problems, so that we can continue to grow. This prayer is one that I, I wish we could spend the next six weeks looking at. Don't worry, we won't. I know that could get tedious at some point. But go home and reread it again. Reread it slow. What is Jesus asking God the Father on our behalf? And what does that mean for you? How does that shape your life? What does it mean for Jesus to call you to be one with brothers and sisters? What does it mean for Jesus to ask God to sanctify you in your life, where you're at, the problems that you're dealing with? What does that mean? So, because Jesus prayed, and because we need to be one as Christ is one with God the Father, I want us to now, after all of this, I want us to go into prayer time. I want us to pour our hearts out to God, to pray for our brothers and sisters, to pray for the pain and the suffering, for the baggage, for the brokenness, that we may be one as Christ is one with God the Father. So let us go into prayer.
holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in three, three in one, the Trinity, the mystery of our faith that we long to understand. You are one, unique and diverse, and yet one. Help us, God, in our pursuit to be one with one another. God, I pray that in our brokenness, with all of our baggage, turmoils, imperfections, that you may work in us and through us. Continue to guide us, Father, to understand what it means to be your disciple, to understand what it means to have you pray for us, to understand what it means to have you ascended into heaven on the right hand of the Father, to be king over all. We are not worthy, and yet you still prayed for us. Lord, please help us and guide us in this time. We pray for our brothers and sisters who have left us. We pray for the brokenness that we feel. We pray, Father, for forgiveness and healing. We pray for a broken church, one that is not united, one that is not together as one. Your simple request was that we would be one as you are one with the Father, and Lord, we have failed. But we cannot do this on our own. And you knew this, Father, by praying that we would be strengthened. Help us to keep our eyes set on Christ. Help us to understand each day what it means to be a servant of Christ. So that through that power, not of our own strength, but through that of the Holy Spirit, we may do our part in being one with one another. When times of trials come, help us to be calm. When we don't see eye to eye, help us to forgive. When words are spoken, when actions are taken, may mercy be at our tips of our fingers, ready to extend a hand. Father, help us not to be a perfect church, but to be a broken church that is perfectly loving you and perfectly pursuing the love for one another.
We need you, Father, more and more every day. Work in our hearts and our lives. Heal us, Lord. Restore us. Forgive us. May we learn to forgive one another just as we have been forgiven. God of grace, you call us to be different from the world, but the world is seductive, and so we come here to be strengthened. God of vision, you hold before us an alternate way of life with different priorities, different loyalties, different values. But we know that the world is not only seductive, but powerful. And so we are drawn into following its priorities, accepting its values, showing loyalties to its gods. God who blesses the meek, the peacemakers, the merciful, forgive us when we lose sight of these qualities, when we misunderstand their roles in the world. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so, this is something, again, that I, I, I look at and I think about with, with everything that is going on. And, and this is the beauty of this table when we participate in the act of communion, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we don't do so as people who are perfect. We don't do so as people who have it all together because Christ never made that a requirement. Christ ate with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. He welcomed all people to the table and said, come and be with me so that I can be with you. If we waited for the time where we had everything together, where we were perfect and we felt everything was right in the world before we received communion, I don't think any of us ever would receive it. And so we come humbled by the fact that we can enter into this sacred time, broken. And we give thanks because even though we are broken, God forgives and God restores. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. That's all that's required. That's all that Christ ever expects out of us. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to be God's sanctuary.
glorious God. In Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, you showed your purpose for your people and your love for your world. In Jesus, you fulfilled your promises and opened to us your heart. In his passion and death, we saw the consequences of our rejection and the depth of your yearning. Yet you raised Jesus from the tomb. In his resurrection, you invite us into the company of your eternal joy. And in his ascension on high, you seal as complete his work among us. So we gladly thank you with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Glorious God, your son at his ascension promised the disciples that they would be clothed with power from on high. Send now your Holy Spirit that we may know the presence of your Son among us and that bread broken and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Who at the supper with his disciples took bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he gave it to them saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And again, he gave you thanks. And gave it to his disciples saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Generous God, your son told his disciples to stay in the city until they were clothed by the Spirit. Give courage to those whom you call to stay in places of danger and confusion when their hearts are full of doubt and delusion. Your son withdrew from the disciples when they did not know what the future would hold. Be close to all who face an uncertain future and deeply know their need for you. Your son's disciples were continually in the temple, praising you. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. And the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And so let us come and receive the elements together. eternal God we give you thanks for this holy mystery which you have given yourself to us grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord Join us in singing as we close out today, How Great is Our God.
thank you because you are great. You are mighty. You are above all. And we give you praise, Lord. We, we thank you that you have not just made us, but you have loved us. You have cared for us. You have forgiven us and you continuously work for us. You have ascended into heaven and you sit at the right hand of God the Father and, and you speak to God the Father and, and request for us on our behalf. 
day and night you are caring for us. Thank you that you pray for us. And I pray that we might continue to learn how to live out your prayer to be one as you are one with God the Father. To learn to live in the world but not to be consumed by the world's priorities. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Let us go forth into the new seasons of our lives. We go forth into growing and changing and living. Let us go with caring awareness for the world and all that is in it. We go to discover the needs and opportunities around us. And so let us go forth in peace and be let out in joy. And so we go in God's continuing presence with the power of love and the strength to serve. It is in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.